You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. If you have your Bibles, open to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going through the book of Ecclesiastes, roughly the middle of your Bible. You'll see here, um, it's after Psalms, Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes. Psalms and Proverbs are two fairly decent-sized books near the middle of your Bible. Right after that is the short book of Ecclesiastes, and we're in chapter 5. Ecclesiastes is a heavy book. It deals with the issues that we don't always like to think about, that life is temporary, and since life is temporary, uh, and, and we don't have influence beyond what our life is, what's the point? That's the, oftentimes the question that Ecclesiastes asks is, well, why does any of this matter? Why does why, why, why does what I do matter? What's the point? If all of this is so temporary, what is the point of what we're doing? But today, the author of Ecclesiastes, at the beginning of chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, which is where we're going to be today, um, deals with a different question. Uh, after dealing so much with uh, working for money and serving money and trying to make money um, in the first four chapters, he turns his eyes to serving God, right? So, so after looking at money and how money is a futile uh, place to, to put your hope in, uh, he turns his eyes uh, to the worship of God Almighty. And this is what he says uh, in, in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, not let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. <coughs> Excuse me. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. I'm going to walk down here and get my Dr. Pepper so y'all can just enjoy me walking down here. But uh, So the author of Ecclesiastes says, you know, when you go to the temple... Water is probably a better option, by the way. Um, when you go to the temple, don't, uh, don't be quick to speak. This is something I struggle with, mostly because I'm called to speak. That's my, my number one joy, uh, is to get up and speak. And I feel every second you give me. Uh, and a few extras, most of the time. Uh, I, I'm terrible at this uh, thing called silence. <clears throat> today, notwithstanding, because I have coughs, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't give you pauses to think. I just, I just blow right through you. I know this about me, right? I'm a rushing river, and there's very few transitions that I, that I hesitate long enough to really let things hit on you to, 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 to really sit where it should. I'm just a talker. I fill the space with noise. And, you know, we're a noisy people. Right, our church services are noisy. We start with music, we go to prayer, we go to speaking, then we go back to music, then we get out of there. We start with a loud greeting where we're all shaking hands and making noise. We end walking out of the building making noise. It is a noisy time, but it's not the only noisy time. In fact, most of us have very, very little quiet in our lives. We don't seek it out. And in fact, when it comes to us, we become painfully uncomfortable. I remember I did this with my students 
at my last church, I told them just to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I said, we're going to be quiet and sit in silence for one minute. And I said, but here's what I want you to do. When you think it's been a minute, I just want you to look at me. Or just look at me when you feel like it's been a minute. And then whenever everyone's looked up, whether it's been a minute or eight minutes or 20 minutes, uh, then we'll begin moving on from there. And so I had about 40 students in the room, and they bowed their heads, they closed their eyes, and I had a little stopwatch on my phone, and I started the stopwatch, and the first child looked up at me at eight seconds. At eight seconds. The final child of the 40 looked up at about like 34, 35 seconds. Silence is tough. It's discombobulating, right? We, we, we get confused about it. We're, we, uh, you know, teenagers, uh, not to rag on teenagers, but, but man, like, like I, I worked with teenagers so long, like I'd go to youth camp and they would have to have headphones on to go to sleep because they can't sleep in silence. Now, like at youth camp, you don't get to sleep in silence because I'll be snoring soon. So just wait and you'll get some noise, right? Just hold on and there will be noise for you to sleep to. Right, they, they, can't, they can't shut it off. And a lot of us are like that, right? We come home, we, we get in our car, we turn on the radio. We drive, we get out of our car, we go in our house, we turn on the TV. Are you watching the TV? No, the TV's just on. It's just making noise. Right? Even if you're not sitting down and watching it, it's just something to have to make noise because silence is uncomfortable. But the author of Ecclesiastes, when dealing with worship specifically, says we have to to recognize that this constant noise that we have is deafening us from hearing from God. You know, constant noise is deafening you from hearing from God. You might want to hear from God. You may say, Lord, I'm in a tough spot. I want to hear from you. But instead of giving God room to speak, you fill it with your own voice. My prayer life can be like, I was reading this a couple weeks ago as I was preparing for the sermon and, and I, was, uh, I was just talking to God, and then I read this, and I'm like, and, I, and I'm, when I talk to God, I'm talking like this, just constant, just boom, 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 God, help me figure this out, how am I going to do this, and what's this, oh yeah, Lord, and this person's got an issue, and, and I'm just talking and talking and talking, and then I read this, and I'm like, I'm not even sure how that looks in my regular prayer life. Like, I pause sometimes to reflect on Bible passages or whatever, but I'm bad at that. You know, I was just, just at youth camp, and, the, and one of the great things about youth camp is uh, they kick the noise level way up. Uh, like, y'all may, there may be people at times who are in our worship service, and like, man, those drums are so loud. Um, but I promise you, they're not. I promise you, they're not. Right? They're, they're just not. Right? And if you want to experience that, just go to, go to any youth event out there, and it's, I mean, it is deafening. And I'll, you will walk out of there. And then you'll go outside, and youth camp has both extremes. Like, that's deafeningly loud. And then you go outside, and it is just eerily quiet when the teenagers aren't present. Um, and it's, 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 it's this wild thing. But, you know, when you walk out of a place that's just noisy, you can't hear. You can't, you can't really hear if someone was to come to you and speak in a normal speaking voice. You're like, what? What's that? Because your ears have been attuned to all this noise. So you can't hear a normal-sized voice because you're, you're, you've, you've drowned everything out with this super-sized noise. And I think that's what we've done in our worship. And not just in our corporate worship. I think we do it in corporate worship. I was talking to my, uh, my guys that I go through things with on, in, in Scripture. I said, you know, how does this look in worship service? 
Because if I came up here and I just stared at y'all for the first five minutes of the sermon, which I was tempted to do, um, it would be really uncomfortable for y'all. Because that's like five seconds and that's uncomfortable. But we're, it's just, it's awkward. I said, how do we begin to instill this in our services? And so we kind of talked about some ideas about how we, you might be able to add a, a little more uh, <coughs> contemplative thing. But really, the, the thing is, silence is just hard to do. It's hard to do in a room like this. It's also hard to do in your personal life. But when you go to God, the author of Ecclesiastes says, when you go to God, right? When you go, when you draw near to the house of God, right, it's better you draw near to listen. For that's better than to offer, offer the sacrifice of fools. And a lot of us, we come to church and we come to church to, to, to give to God instead of just to hear from God. When we go to God in prayer, we go to God with our list of petitions. Here's the things that I need to tell you, God, the things that are important to me. When I got up this morning, I had text messages coming in about a church member whose brother just had a heart attack, right? And so, so I go to God you know, early in my morning, early in my Sunday morning preparation to pray for um, you know, this, this, this brother, or this son-in-law, I guess is what it is, son-in-law, um, uh, and, and for, his, for, for, for his heart attack, right? And we go to God, and we go to God with petition after petition after petition, and God loves to hear your petitions. God desires to hear your petitions, but he doesn't just desire to hear from you. He desires to speak to you, right? And at some point, we, we need to be able to heed the voice of God and the way that we can heed the voice of God is by hearing the voice of God. And the way we hear the voice of God is by just shutting up. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. And just go be quiet. It's okay. It'll be uncomfortable. You'll, your mind will begin to start an inner dialogue to fill the space that, that, that's in there. Just be quiet. Quiet your mind. Allow the, the noise of the world to fade into the background and just be okay with the fact that, that God is there. It's tough, like, but I think that I'm often deafened to hearing God's, uh, God's will for my life, as it were, because I'm so busy talking to God and speaking to God and offering the sacrifice of fools <laughs> and, and, and instead, of, instead of hearing what God wants me to say. He continues on in verse 4. He says, um, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow, that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. For why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So the first thing I want to say is, guys, just recognize that the constant noise level in your life can deafen you from hearing from God. But the second thing is that, that when you speak, right, watch what you're going to say to God. Be mindful of the words that you choose to speak before this holy, perfect God. Or a lot of times we go to God very casually, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with speaking to God uh, in, a, in a fairly casual manner, in that like God and I 
uh, have a running dialogue. It's almost more of a monologue, though, because, again, I kind of stink at the listening side. But I'm willing to go to God in, in sudden and instant prayer, uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I'm quick to go to God in those situations, but when you're quick to go to God, you need to recognize you're still dealing with God. Right? There was a, there was a section in, in Christian history about 20 years ago where there was a t-shirt that came out that said, Jesus is my homeboy, and had Jesus doing this. Right? It's a good t-shirt. But Jesus doing this, and Jesus my homeboy. And the truth is, like, you're like, oh, that's great. Like, yeah, me and Jesus are friends. But Jesus is not, he's not that. That's not who he is, right? He's the, the sinless, sacrificial lamb, savior of the world, second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, came to, to, to make a way to atone for your nasty sins. He's not just another guy for you to hang out with. Right? He's, he's something else altogether. And so when you go to that God, you need to watch what you say. You need to be careful with the words you choose. First of all, you shouldn't say as much as you do. You should listen more than you speak. Right? People say you have two ears, one mouth, therefore you should listen more than you speak. I, I don't know if that's true. I can't even see my ears. Right? How do I know they're there? Right? But, but I'm told I have two ears and I, I definitely have one mouth. But, but, but we should definitely listen more than we do. But when you choose to speak, when you choose to go to God and say, this is what's going on in my life, and this is what I want you to do, and this is what I'll do if you do that, you need to be careful about what you say because what you say to God is not to be said flippantly. A lot of us have had this situation. Crisis is around us. The world is against us. And we say, God, if you'll help me now through whatever this is, I will blank. And now we're like bargaining with God, right? Kind of a dangerous game. Right? Not the most dangerous game. That's man. No one, no one. That was a game about, short story about hunting people. Okay, some of y'all did not read the same short stories I read through my whole childhood. Regardless, it's a dangerous game to play with God, to say, God, I will do this if you'll do that, because then God comes through and does this, and all of a sudden you're supposed to be a monk or a nun. And you're not Catholic, right? Well, yeah, that's me. Like, hey, God, if you do this, I made a mess. I see the mess. And my parents are coming home. And I got to get this thing right right now before I get in trouble. So, God, if, if, if their car breaks down on the way, if they're delayed in some way, and I can clean up this mess here, then I'll read my Bible every day. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll blah, blah. And it's always every. We're really bad at bargaining with God in a realistic measure. Right? It's every, whatever, it's every Sunday, every book, every day, every this. But when you say that to God, that's a vow to God, and you shouldn't enter in, in, into any vow lightly. Right? When you get married, you should take those vows very seriously. It's a holy and reverent thing, right? You should take it seriously anytime you vow something before God. And so when you make that vow, then you need to pay that vow. So it's probably better for the majority of y'all for me specifically, to not vow things to God. Right? Not to make these promises to God, but rather to just bend our knees and request God's help because He's a loving and gracious God who cares for you. Instead of vowing God, I'll, I'll read my Bible every day if you do this. And then on day two, 
you know, there's a double header on, and so you don't have time to read because there's a double header on. That's two baseball games in one day, still with the stupid shift and the 10th inning rules that don't make any sense, okay? Although last week I talked a lot about baseball, okay? A little too much. I'll say maybe just a touch too much about baseball last week. And so I promise this week to only talk about baseball whenever I want to. Okay, so that's just, that's my promise to you, just whenever, whenever I want to. I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit. But, but, you know, something came up, and I, and I couldn't do it, God. I, and so then we go back to God after we vowed to God, we would do something. Say, so, God, I kind of want to adjust the terms of our agreement. So I said every day, but how about, like, you know, every day that starts with the letter T, right? Tuesdays and Thursdays sounds pretty good pretty open on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I think maybe I can read my Bible there. And when I said I'd be at church every Sunday, what I meant was like every Sunday that the preacher wears a tie, right, which for y'all is really great news for y'all, right? Y'all are doing real good out there on tie-wearing preachers, right? right? So like every Sunday, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come to church here. And so we try to adjust the terms with God. The truth is when you vow a vow to God, you need to pay your vow, whatever it is, pay your vow. I mean, some of you need to become nuns right now. Boom, you just need to make that happen, right? Um, I, why, why do we do that? I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I think most of us have been in that situation where all of a sudden chaos has come and we look up and we're like, all right, what's, what, what's my best bargaining chip with you, God? This is it. I'll do what I can. Be careful what you speak to God because what you say to God matters. Say as little as you have to say. Listen a whole lot more than, than what you want to say. And then when you do choose to speak, measure your words. Right? Measure your words. Be cautious as you come before a holy and perfect God. As the truth is, God desires to be in a relationship with you. He truly does. That's the purpose right, of Jesus coming to earth, right, was to make a way so you and the Father could live forever in a, in, a, in a restored relationship. God desires to have a relationship with mankind. He created mankind in his image, right, so that when he looks at us, he sees a reflection of himself back, and he desires to be in a relationship with you. God wants to hear from you. But he doesn't just want to hear from you. God wants to speak to you. And how does God speak to you? I'll give you a couple of ways that God speaks to you, just to help you. It's kind of a nebulous idea sometimes. I've never had a booming voice speak to me in my head. I know people who have. I don't know what to do with it because it's never happened to me. It's not my life experience. The best way that I know that God is speaking to me is through Scripture. This is the word of God. This is God's holy word. You want, you want God to speak to you, open God's word and pray. Many people cry out to God for years. God, just speak to me. God, tell me what to do. God, instruct me. God, I, I need you. I want you to talk to me. And they have a Bible that is laying dusty on their shelf or under their bed. And they're crying out to God to speak to them. And God is like, I wrote 66 books over the course of like 2,000 years for you. And I've preserved them up until this day for you. Hear from me. Right? Bible reading, which sometimes can feel like a chore. I understand this. Guys. I'm with you at times. Sometimes I say, oh my God, I have to read my Bible. 
All right, I've got to, re- I've got to do my daily reading. I've got to do this. It should not be that because it is an opportunity for you to, to hear literally the words of God. It is the best way to know what God wants for your life, for him to instruct your life, to teach you in what you are. And what's amazing about reading God's word, what's amazing about reading the Bible, is no matter where you are in your life, no matter how many times you've read a passage, right? when you read it faithfully, God has something there to say to you now. What you're going on, what's going on in your life right now? You know, uh, chaos inside of your family. Maybe you've got, you know, crazy kids, right? I have crazy kids. Maybe you've got uh, a crazy spouse. My wife has a crazy spouse. Uh, my wife is wonderful, though. God, sometimes she's in the room. Oh, you are in the room today. Oh, watch out. Uh, sometimes, uh, I, I, I'll leave it out there. Baby, I love you. You're tremendous. <laughs> You're tremendous. Sometimes she gets a real, 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 real raw in the stick from me, guys. Uh, she's, she's a saint, though. She is. But maybe your life is crazy. Maybe you're dealing with crazy things, and, and then you read your Bible, and it's a passage you've read a million times, and in that moment, God draws something out. It's always been there, but he draws it out for you right then, and he says, here you go. This is what you need. This is the word that, that you needed to see from me today. It always, it always impresses me how I can read something. Uh, and, and for me, I've read through the Bible dozens, uh, dozens, dozen times, right? And, and other parts of the Bible, countless times. And there's still times when I read something that I've read a hundred times, and then God's like, here you go, Matt. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's the chaos I've got over in the office right now, right there, being expressed right there in Scripture. Right, that's a problem that I have in my relationships and my family, God. And it's right there. You're just you're telling me what to do. Because God is speaking through his word. It's the primary way you can know what God, when God wants to talk to you, the primary thing I want you to know is God wants to talk to you from what he's already said. But he'll say it fresh to you today. Right, because he has a fresh thing to say to you today through his word. So I want to encourage you to be in God's word. However you choose to do that, to daily be in God's word. Right, uh, there was a student at camp with me this, this week. And he's like, I've got a daily like reading plan, and it pushes me through the Bible in a, in a year. Wonderful. That, that, that's the way I read the Bible. Right? I, I, read, I read it to read it every year, to push through it every year, and then I read it additionally for study so that y'all don't get uh, secondhand sermons that I buy off the Internet. Okay? Um, so you get Ecclesi- I get to read Ecclesiastes every week, and then I get to read the Bible as I'm reading through it. Right? So, so you get... You, like, like, but for you, whatever works for you, if, if three or four chapters a day, which is all it takes to read the Bible in a year, by the way, is three to four chapters a day. Um, if that's too much time, if, if you really are just, you, you say, I, I'm not ready to take that bite, well, then read, read a chapter a day. It'll take you three years to get through the Bible, right? Or read, read a paragraph a day because that's more than you're reading right now. Or read a verse a day because for some of you, if you were to read 365 verses this year, That's 365 more verses than you read last year outside of what you were forced to do in church. And that's shameful. Fun fact. That's shameful. But it's true. Start where you are. Hear from God. The primary way you can hear God's voice. You want to hear from God? Shut your mouth. Just be quiet. And read 
what God has to say. He's got words to say to you. The second way that I think God speaks to us, one of, one of the great ways that God speaks to us, is He speaks to us from other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's one of the, one of the one wonderful truths. If you have relationships with other believers, there are times when I know that God speaks to me from them. Right? And that, that's part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? The idea that the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers, and so we speak, not all the time, but sometimes our words, right, are, are, are counsel uh, of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and that's not to say everything that anyone says as a believer is God's, uh, you know, command, because it's not. So I'm filled with the Spirit sometimes, and I say some stupid nonsense from time to time. But whenever I went into the ministry, when I surrendered to the ministry, one of the first things that happened to me that really kind of opened my eyes the idea that, that, that brothers and sisters in Christ can speak truth to you is I had people come to me and confirm my call to the ministry that I never saw. And so my youth pastor, who had been my youth pastor for about three years, and then he moved up to a, another position inside the church, you know, he came to me, he grabbed me, and he said, Hey, Matt, I just want you to know, like, I've seen that on you, God's call on you, for the last several years. Right? And God's kind of revealed that to me, and I just, I just wanted you to know, like, what, you're, what you've been fighting with, I see. Right? And that's a great confirmation to have from another brother in Christ. To say, hey, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're seeing, I see too. But whatever is said from your Christian brother in Christ needs to check against Scripture. So, here's a good, good example. Um, like, yeah, I guess it's a good example. Maybe it's not. If you're, uh, if you're in a bad situation, maybe you're in a, in a bad marriage. And if you've been married, uh, there's probably been a time when you've been in a bad marriage. Um, that's kind of the nature of marriage, I think, from time to time, that sometimes marriage is just hard. Uh, my marriage is hard for, for, for more, than, more than a year of my marriage. I've been married, it'll be 20 years in July. Um, praise God, my marriage right now is pretty good. Maybe less so after this, this sermon right here. My wife is giving me some eyeballs. Um, but, you know, marriage is hard. And you might go to somebody, a fellow believer in Christ, and they listen to you and they hear from you. And if their advice at the end of your marriage is hard, like, and, and I don't mean like, like sinfully hard, but I mean just like they're mean or she's a nag or he never does anything or whatever. That's sort of like regular marriage complaints that go on inside of marriage. And if that advice that they give is like, you know, you just need to leave them. Go find your bliss. And I've heard, I've heard, not maybe not find your bliss, that's a little more new agey, but I've heard pastors counsel men whose marriages are not sinfully destroyed. And, and, and take that as, as you will. But just, just bad marriages where things aren't right. And they say, you know what, this has not been right for, you know, all these years. It's not going to change. You need to get out. It's harming your relationship with God. You need to get out. And then if that, if you compare that to Scripture, which you should, any advice you receive compared to Scripture, it doesn't line up. Or he's advising this person to abandon their spouse without any biblical reason. Right? And that's not okay. And so when you have advice that doesn't correlate well with Scripture from another believer, you need to throw that out and recognize that Satan uh, sometimes uses the mouthpiece of saints to do some stupid stuff as well. But there are times, though, when your brother and your sister in Christ will come to you and speak to you, and they say exactly what you need, 
And it's confirmed by Scripture. And it's just there. They're there to lift you up. And that's what the church is supposed to be about. Holding each other up. One of the wonderful things that churches do to do that, by the way, if you're not involved, is, is Sunday school and small groups. Sunday school is like the longest running ministry of the Southern Baptist Church. Right? It started a long time ago, basically to teach people how to read. Um, years ago, we started with, started with the Bible, we teach kids how to read the Bible, and it's morphed into kind of what we have now with curriculum that walks through books of the Bible or topical studies. Um, but one of the great things about Sunday school, beyond the discipleship thing where you're learning God's word and you're able to, to, to hear God's word, is you're in a room with people who learn to love you and care about you. And I don't know about you, but I don't have enough people who love and care about me yet. I'm not filled up on people who love and care about me. I'll take another one. Right? If someone says, hey, Matt, I'd really like to pray for you, I'm not like, no, thank you. I'm all prayed up. Why don't you find someone else to pray for today? I'm like, no, I'll take that. And we have a, we have a, a lady here. She's skipping church today, by the way, this lady who prays for me every day. Um, but she's told me, hey, I pray for you every day, Pastor. I'm also kind of her tech support, so maybe she's praying for that. I don't know. She says, I pray for you every day, Pastor. It's Jerry Awful, by the way. She's not here. I love Jerry. And uh, Jerry, Jerry prays for me every single day. It's in her prayer life. I would never dream to say, you know, Jerry, I hear you're praying for me every day. Don't worry about it. I'm good now. No, I'm always, I can always use another person to pray for me, to care for me, to love me, to stand beside me, to recognize when I hurt and to hold me up. I need that. And you need that too. But we isolate ourselves, right? I mentioned that last week, some of the week. We have a natural tendency to isolate ourselves let me tell you something. That is that when you're alone, you're vulnerable to outside attack. So I want to challenge you to travel together with some people. If you're not involved in a Sunday school class, get involved in a Sunday school class. Right? We have good teachers. We have uh, generally good members. That's hit and miss maybe, depending on the person. Generally good people involved in our Sunday school classes. But you're going to get a group to care for you. And it meets right before this. So you're already here. You're already putting on clothes on Sunday morning. Just do it an hour earlier. Or just do it one hour earlier and go to a class. Right now, we have like four adult classes that are meeting. We got a kid's class that meets. Uh, and then we got some youth that meet as well. And then we've got the nursery down the hallway. Maybe, maybe even a two-year-old class. I'm not sure about that, though. But yes, I'm getting a yes to the two-year-old class as well. There's a spot for you. But, but it's a lot easier to do that together. Right? You want to hear from God, then you need to be quiet. You need, to, you, need to, you need to silence yourself a little bit. And you need to go where God is speaking. Guys, we need to listen more by saying less. Just, just be quiet for a moment. And let God speak. But that still, small voice. I love the story of Elijah I told you I wasn't letting you out on time, right? So I'm not lying to you. Um, that story of Elijah. Elijah's been uh, in a battle with King Ahab and Ahab's prophets, and he's just called down fire from heaven. And God responded, sent fire from heaven, took up the sacrifice, burned it all away. He did all that work, did all the work uh, for Elijah, and then Elijah ran. And he ended up running um, to the side of a mountain. And when he got there, he was 
done. He said, God, I'm done. Take me now. I'm depressed. I don't have any more energy. Just take me. I'm the only person. Out of all the people in the world, I'm the only one who loves you. And I'm done with this fight. I don't want it anymore. Take me home. And then God says, gird up your loins like a man and come outside. And so Elijah goes outside ready to hear from God. And God sends an earthquake. And he sends a great wind. And he sends a fire. And over and over and over again, after all of those massive expressions of God's power, there was nothing. Right? There was nothing. God's voice wasn't there. Right? You said God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the earthquake. And then after that, there was this still, small voice. And at that, Elijah covers himself because God speaks to Elijah in this still, small voice. And you know, you can't hear that voice if you're always talking. And so guys, you have to find some time to be quiet. And that does mean, maybe it, maybe it is on your drive home. Right? Like maybe it's from where you work to where you go home or when you're going from here to there and you're by yourself in your car and you, and you choose not to put the radio on. Right? You choose not to, to listen to another song or another talking head or whatever and you say, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet. Right, some of you listen to good things on the radio. I've got people who listen to like Christian podcasts on the, when, they're, when they're driving. What a wonderful way to fill, fill your ears. But maybe just shut that off for a season and then just be with God. Maybe it's at your house, after you wake up and you feel a little alert, and you just say, you know what, I'm going to be quiet, and I'm just going to pee. And God, if you have something you want to say, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to say less now. Look, I, I firmly believe God has something to say to you today, whether it's from his word, through another believer, or through the still small voice, and God has something he wants to say to you. The question is, are you going to be able to hear it because of all the noise? Listen closely to what God says. Say less. Listen more. I told the story of Rick Ellis, my, my worship, or my education pastor in, in uh, Sherwin, one of my favorite stories, right? I would go, I was an intern at the church, and uh, this is my last story, probably. Um, and, and Rick Ellis, I would ask him a, like a simple question. Like, I'm doing this form. I'm like, Rick, this is how I've got the form. Is this how you want it? And he would look over the form, and he would just sit and stare at me for like 10 seconds. And I'd be like, yep. And I'd be like, great, thank you. And I'd leave. And after about 10 of those nonsense waits, I went to Rick and I said, Rick, why don't you answer my questions efficiently? Because it's infuriating, by the way. Why don't you answer my questions efficiently? And he said, well, the Bible says you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And I'm working on being quicker to listen and slow to speak. I said, okay. And I stink at that still. Like, I give you an answer right away. Matt, yeah, no, we should do that, right? What do you like? I like that. And I'm a quick, quick, quick twitch guy. There's something about someone who's willing to sit and listen and hear everything that needs to be said before responding. Guys, we need to be quick to listen to what God wants to say. Part of that means you need to be in God's word. Part of that means you need to be in relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's tough to do life alone. And it's impossible to do the Christian life without God's word. So please 
It's not impossible. It's very, very difficult. Please, please, you've been blessed with God's word. Consume it. You're given an opportunity to be in a relationship with fellow believers. Don't waste it. Don't live this life alone. Hear from God today. Let me pray.